Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Just remain standing for one minute. The verse that I've chosen for my text is one verse, and it's very, very short. And so it will take but just three seconds to read Luke 17, verse 32. Three words. Remember Lot's wife. I want to preach today on choices. I want to teach a little while, and you take notes, and then I'm going to preach, and then we're going to see what happens. You can be seated. I said I want to talk about choices specifically. I want to talk about, even though I read a text about Mrs. Lot, I want to talk about Mr. Lot. Not big lots, Mr. Lot. And I want to talk about, and Lot, by the way, was the nephew of Abraham, if you've ever heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want to talk about his choices. So when we are first introduced to Lot in Genesis chapter 12, we discover that he made some good choices. His uncle Abraham had heard from God that he was the only God, the true God, the living God, and that he wanted him to leave Ur of Chaldees, which is in modern-day Iraq, and he wanted him to go to the land of Canaan. So the first good choice is that Lot attached himself to his godly uncle. He wanted to be close to this relative who was having conversations with the living God. That was a good choice. The second good choice that he made is that he detached himself from the paganism and the idols and the false gods that he had spent his whole life in. Abraham, as well as Lot, worshipped false gods, steeped in paganism. But when God called them out and they saw that all of that was man-made and not real, that there's only one God, the true God, Jehovah, the living God, then they left that. So that was a good choice. He chose to be a follower of Jehovah. But as time went on, we learned that Lot then made a lot of bad choices. Here's the background. When Abraham went to Canaan and even spent some time in Egypt because of a famine, he gained great wealth. He was a very wealthy man. Cattle and sheep and silver and gold. Well, Lot also became wealthy, and they're trying to stay together. But the time came when there was insufficient grazing, pasture land for all of their cattle, and tension developed between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, and that strife and tension carried over to Abraham and Lot. Lot didn't really do anything about it, and so Abraham, being the older one, the family said, look, the only solution I can come up with is let's separate. You choose wherever you want to live in this vast land, and I'll go in the opposite direction, and then we'll, we'll take care of the strife and the tension And so Lot made his decision, and this began a series of terrible decisions that created havoc in his life, and I just want to explore them for a few minutes. The first bad decision is he chose to separate from Abraham instead of reconciling their differences. 
Psychologists tell this, that, that us that when you are faced with a crisis, you will do one of four things. You will either flee, freeze, fight, or you will formulate a plan. Rather than formulate a plan and figure out how he could stay with his uncle, he chose to flee. He left. He didn't come up with a solution. They left with tension between them. Second choice, bad choice, is he chose to depart from Abraham. His uncle was a mighty man of God who walked in faith. You know, Abraham, the father of faith. <clears throat> but he cut him off. Abraham was a spiritual mentor, his father in the Lord. But he just cut him off and said, I'm done with you. And he moved on. And he lost Abraham's influence. He lost his spiritual guidance. Bad choice. Third bad choice is he chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all ever heard of those two cities? Yeah, they, those two cities were pretty bad places. They did a lot of bad things there. As a matter of fact, they didn't do anything but bad things there. There is a verse that I want to bring to you. It's Genesis 13, 13. God gives us a commentary on Sodom and Gomorrah. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. It's one thing to be wicked, but it's another thing to be exceedingly wicked. And not only that, but they were sinful against the Lord. Now, everybody's sinful, but when you're sinful against the Lord, that means you are in open rebellion against God and His Word and His laws. They were bad folks. And the Bible says that Abraham, or Lot, moved in that direction, and he pitched his tent because he was nomadic. He pitched his tent near the city, but a point came where he took down his tent and bought a house and actually became a residence of Sodom and lived there. And every day he interacted with people who were morally corrupt and vile in their actions and their words. Now here's something that's important. It'll be a theme for a good part of my message. He didn't have to live there. He chose to live there. Why? Listen to me. I'm just going to throw some things out. I can't preach everything, but there are some strong nuances. You figure it out. The reason why is the land around Sodom was plush and green and lots of grass, perfect for your herds and your sheep. And so let me just say it to you this way. He was willing to put up with absolute social immorality for his personal economic benefit. Be careful, brothers and sisters, when you start making decisions about your money rather than your morals. Bad decision number four, he chose to go back to Sodom after Abraham set him free from captivity. This is in Genesis 14. Sodom, usually back then they had cities with kings and they had little armies. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah and three other cities with their kings went to war against four other cities and their kings and their armies, and they battled, and the four kings beat the five kings, which means Sodom was beaten and ransacked. Gomorrah was beaten and ransacked. Lot's caught in the middle of it, and he is taken captive by these armies that defeat those cities, and he and his wife and children and everything, they're carried off into captivity. Abraham hears about it, musters his 300 men with swords, all, goes all night, chases that army down, and I think 
probably by the miraculous hand of God, attacks them and defeats them and liberates his nephew and his family, brings them back to Canaan land, back to the cities. And instead of Lot saying, oh, Uncle Abraham, thank God for you showing up. Thank God. Thank you for saying, this is a moment I needed. This is a revelation. I'm not going back to Sodom. Look what it, look what it got me. I'm going back with you. No. You know what the, you know what the rad cast, cat did? He just went right back to the city. Appreciate it, Unc. See you later. And he went right back in the city. Now, if I was preaching plainly, I'd say, what an idiot. But I won't do that. And so, he made a fourth bad choice. Here's the fifth bad choice. He chose, he chose as the patriarch, the head of the family, to raise his family in an entirely sinful environment. Did you know Lot had four daughters? A lot of people think he had two daughters. Well, he did have two daughters, but he had two more. He had four daughters, and two of them had married two guys from Sodom. He had sons-in-law, son-in-laws. And so they had married wicked men. He's losing his kids to sin. I'm preaching right now. In every store in which they shopped, they were exposed to perversion. Every neighbor was wicked and untrustworthy. Again, at any time, Lot could have seen all this and said, it's not worth it, packed up everything and left. But he foolishly chose to stay. You know, the amazing thing is that in spite of where he lived and these bad choices, the Bible tells us that Lot never backslid, that he tried to live right and serve God. When you read in Genesis 19, verse 9, there's an interesting commentary that takes it's a conversation between the wicked men of Sodom these two angels have showed up and they want these angels to come out because they want to commit homosexual acts with them that's about as plain as I can preach it and Lot comes out to try to stop that and these men of Sodom said to him you know what you are you keep acting like a judge among us now that tells me a whole lot right there is that at least Lot in interacting with these people day to day, said to them, what you're doing is not right. You need to stop doing this. God is not pleased with it. Somehow they put up with him. Maybe they just wrote him off, but they had reached a point they were sick and tired of hearing him. Listen, anytime you're in sin, especially deep sin, the last thing you want is somebody saying to you, you know what, what you're doing is not right. If you don't change, you're going to face judgment. Well, they don't want to hear that. They want freedom and liberty to get get away with all that they're doing. But at least Lot tried. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, we actually have some more commentary on, on Lot. And Peter talks about Lot, and he does call him righteous Lot. And he refers to him as a righteous man. And yet, Peter says there were consequences to living in that perverted place. Peter goes on to say that Lot, and I'm using the words the Bible says, was oppressed and tormented daily by the filthy conduct of the wicked and their lawless deeds. And so I looked those words up in the Greek, and, and literally, day after day, living in that environment, living with what he had, didn't have to, but what he chose to live in, it wore him down. Just kept wearing him down. 
That's the danger when you needlessly expose yourself to sins that are of the worst kind, and you, I'm talking about day after day after day, after, you put, and, and you don't have to be in that. It can wear you down spiritually. And again, it was all unnecessary. All he had to do was pack up and leave. So here's how the story goes. When Lot couldn't make his own decision to get out of there, God made it for him. And he sent two angels to the city, really to rescue Lot. And what's amazing is, he, Lot went, so he tells him, judgment's coming, you got to get out of here, follow us. we got to get out of this city, fire and brimstone are coming down. God's destroying this whole plane. And, and he had to talk Lot into it, and finally, Lot went, couldn't get his sons-in-law and his daughters to go. They stayed, they laughed at him. The Bible says they actually laughed at him, they thought he was joking. How many of you know today, if you talk about the judgment of God, people will laugh at you. There's no God. There's no hell. There's no judgment. You willing to take that bet? The angels rushed him out of the city. His two other daughters, not married, his wife, they're fleeing for their lives. And the angels said to them specifically, don't look back. However, as they were fleeing, Lot's wife made a bad choice. And she looked back at the city. Now, just so you understand, she wasn't curious to see the fire and the brimstone. It wasn't 4th of July and she wanted to watch the fireworks. That's not why she looked back. Her affections were with Sodom and Gomorrah. She wanted to be with those residents. Those were her people. Lot had stayed righteous, but Mrs. Lot had backslid. Listen to me. They were her friends. They were the ones she went out to eat with. They were the ones she went off on trips with and posted pictures on Facebook with them partying. Oh, you didn't know they had Facebook back then. Lot judged and disapproved of their sinful ways. Mrs. Lot had come to condone and approve of their sinful ways. I've been preaching, and I can't help it. This is what the Lord has been giving me, but it just seems like the last now to this week, three weeks, have you all noticed there's a connection of dots? She wasn't sanctified. She didn't set herself apart from their sin unto God. At least Lot did. But his wife and two older daughters didn't. She was one of them. And so when she looked back, she was a member of Sodom and Gomorrah in her heart. And so God judged her too. And he couldn't rain fire and brimstone down on her because he would have killed Lot and the two daughters. So instead, his act of judgment was she died immediately and her body turned into a pillar of salt. No burial, no tomb, just a memorial to what happens when you make bad choices. This is why Jesus warns us to remember Lot's wife. And we just took communion, and that was a good remembrance, wasn't it? 
It's a bad thing that happened. Somebody died, but it was a good death. It was redemptive. But now Jesus himself says, let me give you somebody else to remember besides me, and that's Lot's wife. Don't forget her. Because when you remember me, you make a good choice. But when you remember Lot's wife, I'm warning you about making bad choices. You cannot afford to fall in love with the world and the things of the world. You cannot afford to compromise. You cannot afford to make little exceptions. If you make bad choices, moral choices, you won't get away with it. You will suffer consequences. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Lot's bad choices cost him everything. All of his wealth that he worried about was burned up in a split second. It cost him his wife. It cost him two of his children. It cost him his testimony for God. Here's why I know that. There's one more event that happens that I'm not going to talk about. It's in the Bible, but I'm not going to talk about it this morning. It's not a very good thing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read it. I'm not going to bring it to this pulpit because I think there's some children in here and that limits me at times. But there's some things that happen. It's not very, but it happened. And it's because he raised those other two daughters in Sodom and their moral compass was wacky. And then that's the end in Genesis and the Old Testament. You don't hear about Lot again. All right, so I've been teaching. Let me see if I can do some preaching. Now, life is filled with bad choices, with choices. And choices have consequences. I think everybody knows that, right? Okay, that's, that's a daily part of life. I think we all can agree that if you make good choices, you get to reap the benefits. You make bad choices, you pay a terrible price. I know so far this message has been kind of a downer, you got to have that kind of preaching so you have balance. But now let me see if I can flip this coin and let's go on a more positive route and see what we can learn from Lot. Okay? Let's look at good choices to pursue. Here's number one. Choose to mend fences rather than build walls or burn bridges. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Let me give you all some advice. And sometimes it's hard. Trust me. Trust me. Don't allow issues to destroy valuable relationships. If there is strife, find a solution. Especially when it comes to godly people. Work things out. I see people get upset in the church and they leave. They do what Lot does did. They leave. Take my ball and leave. When if you'd have just sat down with that person like family members do and talked it out and prayed it through, you could have got the issue solved and your relationship would be stronger. Amen, Pastor. Ooh, that's good preaching right there. 
That's good. Oh, that's a good one, Pastor. Choose to mend fences rather than build walls or burn bridges. Second, choose to stay connected with godly people. Stay with godly people. Y'all watch. Let's just stay positive. Stay with godly people. It'll pay off. Elisha chose to stay with Elijah. Elijah even tried to shake him off when he knew he was coming to the end of his life. And Elisha said, "Mm -mm, I'm not leaving your side. Stay here in this city. I'm going to the next city. Mm -mm, If you go to the next city, I'm going to the next city. There's a lesson to be learned there. Get you a mentor, a discipler, find you somebody. You know what I've heard a lot of young men say to me? And men who were older, who when they were younger, what they said to me, I was young, I was young in the Lord, but you know what I did? I found some older men in the church, and I, I, and I made friends with them, and I watched their life, and even hang out with them, because I knew they were at the place I wanted to be. Ladies, that's a good, good advice for you as well. That's good advice. Timothy stayed close to Paul. The 12 apostles stayed close to Jesus. People of faith are assets in your life. So let them disciple you, mentor you, ask them questions, follow their advice. Don't let anyone or anything separate you from them. Keep them close in your life. And that will help you in your walk with the Lord and in your growth. Here's the third one that I have. Choose to disconnect from ungodly people. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, very simply, bad company corrupts character. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 16 says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Everybody say none. And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You got it. They're all rhetorical questions. None. For you are the temple of the living God. Brothers and sisters, we are in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. You got to work with them. You got to shop at the store with them. You got to go to restaurants with them. You, you can't, you got to go to school with them. You go to universities, colleges with them. You can't do anything about that. But you can choose how much you're connected with them, and you can choose to stay disconnected from them. Who are you connected to that is pulling you down spiritually or pulling you away from God? Cut them off. Who are you dating that is being a hindrance in your walk with God? Cut them off. Let me use Facebook terminology, defriend them. Does that help some of y'all? Who are you going off with that is pressuring you to say and do things that you know that are not right? Cut them off. They are your Sodom. Do I need to say that again? They are your Sodom. Get out of Sodom. But they text me, don't answer it. Or they DM me on Facebook. Don't answer it. Well, she's calling me. Block the call. You can do that. And if that doesn't work, have a hard conversation. Don't call me again. 
Till you get right with God, then we'll talk. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Here's my last one, and I'm going to preach right here. Choose to protect your family from the pollution of this world. Drag queens reading stories to children is not for us. That's the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. Members of pride parades chanting, we're coming for your children, is not for us. That's the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. A teenage boy trying to go to the girl's bathroom or locker room because he claims to be a girl is not of us. That is the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. My niece is married to a teacher. And recently we were talking, and he said, let me tell about this. And he said, let me tell you what happened to me. He said, there's a certain point in the day when I'm in the gymnasium, I have to supervise the different age groups, and we sit the one against one wall, this wall, this wall, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. And he said, we separate the one. You sit with the boys in one and the girls with another. And he said, I had a boy who went over to sit with the girl. And I said, son, you need to go back over with the boys. He said, I'm a girl. He said, you are. He said, that's my gender. I choose. I'm a girl. He said, well, on the official document that is in the school records, are you listed as a boy or a girl? He dropped his head. He said, a boy. He said, then we're going to go by that. Get up and go sit with the boys. That's what you say. Oh, where was that up north? One of them liberal cities? It was in Georgia. Dalton, Georgia. It is the day we live in. It is the time. And if we're not careful as the people of God, like little sheep, we'll just say, okay, well, I guess that's, you know, that's it. No, 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 that's not what we do. We make choices and we say, no, we we choose not to stand for that. We choose to stay in the word of the living God. That's not how we think. That's not who we are. I was watching, does anybody know who Samuel Rodriguez is? Samuel Rodriguez, Hispanic guy who is a Pentecostal powerful preacher. And Samuel Rodriguez was preaching as a guest at a church. And I watched this clip recently. And Samuel Rodriguez said he went to a church. I don't know if they were going to network with some kind of partnership or something, but they brought him in. And he said, Pastor Rodriguez, they said, no. There's one more question we have for you, and this is very important to us. They said, we lean, this church leans left. Which way do you lean? And Samuel Rodriguez said, all kinds of thoughts were running through my head. How do I respond to this? And then the Holy Spirit said, Sammy, this is what you tell them. And I knew when I told them, Whatever they wanted to do, it was not going to happen. And he said it didn't. And he said, Holy Spirit, he said, Sammy, you tell them this. And Sammy Rodriguez said, with all due respect, with all deference to you, we don't lean. We stand. We don't lean. We stand. We stand on the word of God. 
We stand on what thus says the Lord. I came here this morning not to mimic Sammy Rodriguez, but just to tell you high praises, that's the way it should be. We don't lean one way or another. We stand on the word of the living God. If it says sin is sin, we stand on it. If it says right is right, we stand on it. If it says truth is truth, we stand on it. We don't lean one way or the other. We're not, we're not influenced by the world. We're influenced by God, and we stand on the word of the living God. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. That's who we are. That's what defines us. We stand up for our spouses. We stand up for our children. We stand up for the elderly. We stand up for whatever's right. We stand. That's the choice we make. It costs you peer pressure. We stand. If you're persecuted, we stand. If you feel like you're all by yourself, we stand. If they make fun of you, if they post things about you on the internet, you stand. Because if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. And so you better stand for something. We're a musician. This has become a habit, hasn't it? I love our praise team. I love our music ministry. My dad told a story. It's a true story. I've heard dad tell it so many times, and I hope I can tell it right. A pastor had an evangelist at his church to preach a revival. He preached that night and gave an altar call, and the Spirit of God was moving. He looked on the back row, and there were two young men, one a little older than the other. The evangelist felt moved to go back and witness to those young men by the Holy Ghost. He went back under the direction of God and began to talk to them about their souls. And the younger man was very interested, but the older, they're both young, but the older one of the two made fun of the evangelist, made fun of all that was happening. And he said, won't you come to the altar and give your life to Christ? And the older one just defied him. The younger one looked hungry, but he grabbed the younger one and said, come on, let's go. And they left. Soon after that, the service ended. And the evangelist got in the car with the pastor, and the pastor was to drive him back to his place where he was staying. And the evangelist was so wiped out, he fell asleep. True story. When suddenly the Holy Spirit woke him up immediately, and he started screaming, Stop the car! Stop the car! The pastor slammed on brakes instinctively and said, What's wrong? And about that time, the light hit beams focused on the road ahead and there was a motorcycle wreck. True story. They jumped out of the car and went over and there were two bodies. It was the two young men who had been at church. The evangelist went over to the younger one and he was dead. The crash had killed him, but the older one was still alive. 
And he went over to him and he said, son, lay still. We're going we're to call. We're going to get an ambulance. You're hurt badly. He had broken both legs and the bones had gone through the skin and through his clothes. It was such a bad wreck. And he said, where's the other one? Where's the other guy? Where is he? He said, son, be still. He said, no. He said, that's my brother. Where is he? He said, son, I tell you this, but your brother didn't make it. He said, no. He said, son, please, you don't realize how bad you hurt. He said, no. He said, you're that evangelist, aren't you? He said, yeah, but son, he said, no. He said, you don't understand. He said, my brother may be taking to church tonight. I didn't want to do it. He wanted to get saved tonight. I wouldn't let him go to the altar. You came back and I stopped him and now he's dead and he's in hell and it's my fault. And the evangelist, true story, it happened. And the evangelist said, I will never forget the sound of him crawling across the asphalt and the bones scraping on the asphalt as he's screaming, No! I'm sorry! Please forgive me! And he's trying to get to his brother. Do you hear this preacher this morning? Everybody's got choices. And if we make the wrong choice, it can have eternal consequences for our families. If we make the right choices, it can have eternal consequences for our families. Stand with me all over this house. And I want everybody in this place to get to this altar as quick as you can and fill this thing up. Quickly. Quickly. Come as close as you can quickly. We've got to finish here. I feel the Holy Ghost quickly come. You all help me preach. Be careful what you say to me because I'll use it. Won't I, Elder? Can't help it. Sometimes y'all give me good stuff. That lady right there was talking to me last week. I know she loves Jesus. They're here about every Sunday. We were talking about what I preached last Sunday and Lily said, you just don't know, Pastor. You read stuff on the internet and if you're not careful, you read enough of it, it'll start working on you. She said, but then you have to stop and say, but no, wait a minute. That doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's not what I believe. I believe the Word of the living God. You got to make choices when you're on the internet. You got to make choices of who you're talking to. You got to make choices. Choose Christ. Choose right. Choose life. Choose Him. Can we just let them sing and can we just have a good old fashioned prayer service? You can stand, you can kneel, but can we just take a while? And whatever it is you need to pray for as a church, can you just start crying out to God right now? Come on, one, two, three, go. Just start praying. Just pray and say, God, whatever this message, how it has affected you, 
Maybe you need to get saved. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart. Save me. I don't want to die before it's too late. Save me, Jesus. Maybe you've been a bad influence. Say, forgive me, God. Help me to be a good influence. Maybe you're letting some bad people influence you and you're doing things you shouldn't do. Say, God, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I'll cut them off. Whatever it is, pray right now. Let God do a mighty work. I feel the Holy Ghost working in this church right now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.